It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the first episode of the 2018-19 season. Uh, my name is Connor Bromley and I am fully recharged after my holiday last week. I took a break from the lads and left it in the with Chris Calm, Alex, I don't know who else was on last week. Paddy, was Paddy on? Yes. Paddy was on, yeah. Am I missing one? Um, probably. Yeah. Well, either way, it was a good listen. <laughs> I listened back. Barnsley, man. <laughs> the main guest, Nick Barnes, was on. Um, we're joined today by the managing editor of Road Report, Gav. How are you? Are you Not recharged bad. for the season? Um, haven't really stopped, really. It's been quite busy for us, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It's been chocolate. Yeah. Well, probably more busy the last few weeks than it has been ever. Yeah, I suppose for us when it's transfers pre-season it is actually busier because you've got all that speculation who's going to play where all that crap mm-hmm. so yeah. I'm covering pre-season games on top of that so that's why you're here today so you can talk about it exactly uh, we also have a new guest today uh, my season card buddy and fellow Blythe lad Adam Hardy you had uh, to mention the Blythe part didn't yeah, you yeah you had to get that in there he's a fellow Spartan as well sad um, you compared yourself to Cabral on Twitter so I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot and say what is your best SCFC debut the best player who's had the best debut oh god you really did put us on the spot you know I'm going to run with the Cabral thing I thought would sign the next best thing in that <laughs> Fulham game he was good to be fair and in pre-season nil. against Spurs remember that yeah, yeah what actually happened with Cabral um, quite a lot of bad things probably shouldn't talk I, about I know him. I was yeah. going to say he, he was on 12 <laughs> bad things bad things I'm sure he's not listening we'll probably slander him uh, we are also joined by Simon O'Rourke yeah, got it, got it. Now I can just call him Simon. So, how are you, Simon? You glad to be back? Yeah, glad to be back. Smashing. Always like this time of year, just week before the start of the season where everything is possible. Are you, are you at the opening day? Yeah, I'll be going to the opening day. And genuinely actually looking forward to it, which is a, a, a rare thing Shock. from a Sunderland match over the last couple of years, isn't it? Yeah, I played Charlton on the opening day in 05-06. I think that's the last yeah, time we played Andy, Charlton. Andy Gray like. scored and then Darren Bent. I think they were on 10 yeah. Did Danny Murphy score like a cracking free kick in that game? I think he did. I think he scored the third goal or the second goal. I just remember us taking the lead and thinking, wow! <laughs> and then it's just like within <laughs> 10 minutes where we're behind. Yeah, set the tone for the season. Uh, we're going to split the show into a few sections today. So we're going to look at the pre-season as a whole. Uh, then we're going to move on to transfers, what else needs to be done with the squad, all that fun stuff. Finally, we'll be making some ridiculously early predictions for the season ahead, which will no doubt be totally wrong, and <laughs> preview the Charlton game. So let's have it. So, Gab, you asked a question on Twitter. I'm going to throw this out there. I don't think you were expecting to be on the pod, so you threw No, question. I just so thought I'd help. I'll throw this at Adam. It's his first one, first question on yeah, the we'll go. go. <laughs> uh, 
how much can we take from the promising preseason? I don't think you can take much from it, to be fair. I know that, like, you should have a winning games breeds confidence and all that kind of thing, but we haven't particularly played anyone that testing. I think the squad's still got business to do in it, so particularly not much. Even the 6-0? No, I would. Exactly. In terms of actual results, I would agree. I don't think you can take too much, but I just think that um, certain aspects of what I've seen in performances give me a bit of hope. Um, we look very solid defensively. It looks like we've got a good keeper. I know. I know Robin Rout. I looked really good in preseason last year, but McLaughlin looks really good. I mean, he made a great save from Paddy McNair um, on Friday night, and uh, and a bit of a bit of a Pickford esque side volley up the pitch Dylan and Gooch which Winelli scored from looks a good keeper so I, I like how solid we look but also going forward you, you know he's got a good base with the centre midfielders because the system we're playing is pretty straightforward to be honest but it's not one we've ever I, I can't remember something ever playing like that with you know two players just sitting in and holding and then a four in front really who can just do what they want Um, if, if that's the way we're going to go going forward I'm really pleased because I mean, the football last season was probably the most tedious Sunderland football I've ever seen. And having a, a manager who, and we were told this before he came, St Mirren played good stuff but had a good base to build from every time they went out on the pitch and scored a lot of goals, then no matter what happens this season, at least it might be entertaining, you know. Simon, what do you mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, I never think, I agree with you, you can't ever take too much from a pre-season. I think with Sunderland this year, I would take a little bit of comfort from the pre-season because... Jack Ross said after Friday night, it's probably the most difficult pre-season that he will ever have as a manager because of all that's gone on around the stadium of light over the past two or three months. And whilst that's the first pre-season friendly I've actually been to, I'm reliably informed that at the start of it, the Darlington one, it weren't too impressive. Mm. So the comfort I take is that in that short space of time, they've got a plan now. So that suggests to me good coaching because over the course of two or three weeks, the players know what they're supposed to be doing they know the system, they know the way he wants to play, how he wants them to play. They know what they're supposed to do when they're in attacking areas. They know what they're supposed to do in defensive areas. I noticed, for example, they, they like to play through the goalkeeper a lot. Yeah. That's that's obviously a feature that we're going to see throughout the season as well. So basically, pat on the back for Jack Ross and his staff, because I think there's some good coaching has gone on in the last three weeks. They know what the plan is. They're going to stick to the plan. But results-wise, let's not worry about it too mm. much. And another thing to take from it is that I think... Last three games, clean sheets, is that right? Yeah, yeah. if you're going to count half against Middlesbrough. Yeah. yeah, I mean, to be to be honest, that that's something, isn't it? It at least shows, it at least shows that they're going out there like, well, it's not just about fitness. Let's get into the habit of, of, of being defensively quite solid. And the tone of the, I know we're going to get on, onto it later, but the tone of the, the way the game was played was like a league game, I thought. Maybe it was because it was Middlesbrough, there was a bit of a, Bite in there, but we were we were throwing ourselves into tackles, which you don't normally see in preseason games. And it's good to see that the players are eager to impress, um, and that's gen- the tone I'm generally getting from um, all of the players we've signed is that they they, they do want to be here, and the, the, they're all coming and looking at it and going, "Wow, what a club!" I think if you look at it, it's been a gradual improvement. Every game we've seen something better. The the squad seems to have grown, gotten all the system better, and compared to where we were when we played Darlin. You know, we're a million miles further, and as you were saying, Simon, that's such a something you don't normally see. Last year, we got you know absolutely tonked off Celtic five 0 and this year we were the one handing out the tonking, which I think so 
almost a sign of that change, that change in culture at the club. Yeah, it's the plan. It's the plan that encourages me. There is a plan. You can see what it's going to be. As you said, Gav, it, it's fairly obvious the way that they're going to want to play, but it's the fact that there is a plan. Um, I really like Chris Coleman, but did he particularly ever come up with a plan? I'm not sure he did. No. Um, Simon Grayson, thrown in at the deep end, close to the start of last season, but again, never really came up with a plan. David Moyes, let's not even go there. <laughs> the last person before this guy who had a plan was Big Sam, yeah. and that encourages me. Yeah. Highs and lows of preseason. Ian Hindmarch asks, so what's your your big high moment? Is it the six 0 or is it the performance against Middlesbrough? I would no, I would say the first half performance against Borough. If that if that game had went under the forty five, I think we'd have won. I was really, really impressed with the way we played. And you've got to remember as well, that was without Reese James, without Aidan McGeady, without Duncan Watmore, um, without Lee Catamole, McGeoch played about five minutes and we still looked really good. Football was good. Everybody knew their job. Um, if it wasn't for the post, we would have had two goals. And the foot of Darren Randolph, which kept Sinclair shot out, thought we looked really, really good. And that was in a competitive game against a good side. But I had the full-strength team out. You know, man for man, they were the better better team on paper. But I think we looked a lot more prepared than they did. And um, we've, <clears throat> like I say, the, the style of play so far suggests to me that we're going to be hard to beat. Add to that better players and then, I think we're going to be a good side next season. I can't see why we wouldn't be. Lowe's, Adam? Um, to be honest with you, I think in attacking areas, like someone like Gooch, who I think was very underutilised last year, and just seeing like how he's came on already at the start of pre-season, playing in a lower division as well, I think that gives you hope. And just the fluidity in attacking areas. Yeah, it, it, they do look sort of going forward. I like the look of the thought of having Gooch Honeyman behind the, the front and Maguire, and don't Maguire. forget Maguire. Having those sort of players, good. though, that at that level they've just got that quality. I think Gooch and Honeyman are going to be playing a division below what they actually are. I think they're both champ- solid championship players. Yeah. yeah, I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed the Middlesbrough one. Um, I saw the goals from St Mirren, and, and I just I liked some of the goals. I liked the way that, that they were built up and put together. But I should only really speak about Middlesbrough. I was I was pretty impressed, and again the fluidity and attack. And we need, we all need to bear in mind that, that there's a you know there's an elephant in the corner of the room in that the number nine doesn't play for the club yet. So g- yeah. given that they haven't actually got the focal point that they clearly want to have, I was quite impressed with that on Friday night. Defensively as well, I, I pick up your point. I think I think it was good. Adama Traore is the most talented player in that division and should be a Premier League player or playing in a top European league yeah. and whilst he did have his one run he's very difficult to stop at times they had a plan with him I like the way that Glenn Leuven's just like <laughs> took one for the team and knocked him over when great he was running it. through and that sort of thing set pieces they were always going to be a danger they've got they've got big tall players they bought Aidan Flint who's six foot stupid and yet we were never bothered from set pieces were we mm, so yeah. obviously thought had gone into that as well it goes back to just the idea of, of, of planning and the sense that somebody who knows what they're doing is in charge yeah Absolutely. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about transfers, squad status, so to SCFC March, I think that must be how you pronounce it. I asked Simon, are you happy with the transfer business so far? Broadly, yes. I think the very obvious thing is is the centre forward, and I'm sure we'll come on to that. They will address it one way or another. Hopefully they can get the person or persons they want, but they have to get somebody in. They have to get somebody bigger, physically stronger than what they've got. Madge is promising, but he's not the person you want to build, uh, hopefully, a successful campaign on uh, as a striker. The thing that I'm not happy with, and I don't particularly blame the club, is I, I, I'm a bit disappointed that they haven't managed to shift 
some of you know the famous five who just don't want to be there and that kind of thing. Again, I'm not blaming Charlie and Stuart for that. I'm certainly not blaming Jack Ross for that. It's up to those guys and, and what their agents want and what they're asking for, especially within Dong and that sort of thing, who could have been out the door three weeks ago. Um, I'm a bit disappointed that that situation is still rumbling on because I think it's hamstrung them a bit in terms of what they can bring in. And also it's it's just part of the process of moving on is you just want shot of them now. I'm not particularly talking about Catamull. We can talk about him separately. I think he sort of stands in a little island by himself at the minute. He's, he's, he's a slightly different case. But the likes of Ndong, Jilabodji, that sort of thing, I'm a bit disappointed that there's not been more opportunity to get them out of the door. At what point do the club start panicking about that? At what point do they look at Kony's wages, Ndong's wages, Jilabodji's, and go, we can't been, keep them? They've been oh, panicking ever since they came in and got their feet under the table. They'll be panicking more now. When they wake up tomorrow morning and it's one day closer to August the 9th, they'll be panicking that bit more. They really, really do need to shift at least two or three of them out the door. Do you not think, though, that it's just the agents playing games? Because they'll know fine well, the longer they leave it till the end of the transfer window, the more likely Sunland are going to be to have a reduced fee on them. Mm. Yeah, and it leaves a bad taste in the mouth, doesn't it? But absolutely, you're right. And they're going to take knockdown fees. They're going to, I mean, Jillabodgie, I'm sure now they'd give away quite happily. They'd just cancel his contract unilaterally and pass him on to another club and make him somebody else's problem. Yeah, and it just leaves a bad taste in their mouth. And it's a shame because these people who've earned a lot of money from Sunderland and who've done the square root of not very much since they've been at the club, um, they're going to end up doing okay out of somewhere really they should have shown a bit of dignity and just got out at the first opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think I th- I, they've tried the hardest to get rid of them. Yeah, no, definitely. And Dong's the prime case. He's very particular over where he wants to go. There's offers on the table have been for months, but he hasn't gone yet. Although I am led to believe he is close to going. That they've thought that for a while now, and things keep moving and things keep changing. Um, Dillabodji's a different case altogether because he's just not very good and he's on a lot of money. He's on something like 35 grand a week. I mean, we were subsidising a lot of that last year when he was playing for Dijon, as we were Kazri. Um, but Kazri had a good season, so they've had no problem shifting him. Dilabodji, on the other hand, is still on a lot of money. And if if you're him, he's not going to want to be dropping his wages very much, is he? So Sidebar, though. Dilabodji, <laughs> what was the scouting process? There was the time that he was born. Well, I think he, he it, did have a good couple of months, was it? With Abraham and he was got in the Bundesliga team of the year, to be fair. But then didn't they nearly get relegated as well? I think the, 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 the two <laughs> I mean, we, we've, we've probably went over this a million times in the past, but you're right. What was the thinking process by now? He, I mean, how did he even end up at Chelsea in the first place? You know what I mean? Chelsea bought him nothing. I think got him for two, like two or three million quid, remember, yeah. It was the start of the Abramovich austerity years where yeah, they went yeah. around and for a couple of years they did sort of start buying less, you know, less expensive players yeah. in the hope that they would kick on. And, yeah. and he, was, he, he, ne- <laughs> he never played for Chelsea, did he? Yeah, yeah but they brought, brought in 10 minutes players and yeah. just sell them, don't they, for a massive profit, which is what they did with Dillabodji. Yeah. But yeah, I suppose... What what do you do at this point? So we do get to August 9th. They're still here. Do the club let them go for free? Do the club look at sacking them for not coming back to training? Worst How case, do you approach it? Worst case, they'll go out on loan somewhere, I think. Worst case, they'll not be here. Stuart Donald sat in that chair and said it himself last week, didn't he? He said, you know, I'd be very surprised if they're still if I see them playing the Sunderland shirt again. Um, I know Coney has been back since the first day of pre-season, but obviously... the you know, it's made it very clear he doesn't want to be here, so he's not training with the first team, but he is training, so he's getting paid. Um, and he's 
probably on more money than anyone at the club or just about up there, you know what I mean? So paying out a lot of money for him. And Dong and Jilabodji, as far as we know, their contracts have been held, haven't they? Because they haven't turned back up for training. So we aren't paying them, but they're still our players. They could turn back up at training tomorrow and we'd have to start paying them. Think, um, think about keeping their wages though. If you if you're not paying their wages for a month, that actually that adds up to quite a sizable amount of money. Like that's probably the yeah. fee that they've been able to shell out for Baldwin. Probably covered up them not being crazy. There. It's a crazy it's amount crazy of money. How important it is that they get rid of them? Yeah, because of how much they're, they're shelling out on them. I mean, Oviedo's turned back up, so he'll be getting paid. Um, but yeah, he's wanted, but don't think the teams are want him going to afford him. It's it. That's the difficulty. We'll put them on ridiculous contract and they're not very good players. I think Oviedo's 40 plus, isn't he? 40, 42, <laughs> grand. 42 grand a week, I think. How, who's yeah. going to buy it? Like, unless a Premier League team wants to take a gamble. I mean, he didn't do that bad last season, but... He know. did. He was poor. He wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, we're, we're talking negatives. I think there's a lot of positives as well. I like that, presuming, as I think we all do, that Luke O'Neill will, will be confirmed tomorrow. I find it quite refreshing that Sunderland and Sunderland fans can enjoy being excited about signing that sort of player, somebody who's young, who has done really well in the lower leagues and who might kick on and become something, rather than the sort of overprivileged, overpriced, yeah. bottom of the top pot yeah. that Sunderland have been chasing for the last yeah. 10 years. I, th- I think there's a breath of fresh air about the likes of him, about of Jack Baldwin, somebody who's going to come and think, this is my chance at potentially a big club <laughs> rather than this is a payday and that sort of thing. And I just, I do like that about a lot of the signings that so, he's made. Have you ever dealt with Baldwin? Because obviously he was at Hartlepool. Um, I met him, but um, it was it was actually quite, a, it was longer ago than I thought. It was, I think, 2014, 2014 that he left. Yeah. Um, but, so I, I don't know a great deal about him, but they speak ex- ex- extremely highly of him at Hartlepool. And obviously, as I'm sure everyone's seen, they speak extremely highly of him at Peterborough as well. Where he's just As a person, not just a player yeah. as well. Yeah. Which is the same sort of thing we're saying about uh, Luke O'Neill. Did, did we all watch that 15-minute video on O'Neill like I did? Yeah, but <laughs> I think Simon's got a great point there. It, I was I, I, Me and many other Sunderland fans wanted Sunderland to make these type of signs when we're in the Premier League looking at the lower leagues and going like is that lad good enough to make the step up at a club like this because if they are they jump at the chance to come um, and we've never done that for God maybe since Mick McCarthy was manager where we've looked down the leagues and looked at players who might be good enough and they've got good attitudes which would suggest that you know if they've got the room there to, to develop that you know they'll, they'll do it at a club like this because their attitude is top notch then you know let, let's get more of those type of players through the door because it, I can't see how you can fail when you bring players like that in. I mean, I, I did a bit of bit of reading up on O'Neill um, and he's very different. He's very different. He reminds us a lot of um, Watmore, very intelligent, very academic thing and like, he's very grounded, comes from a good family um, and he's, you know, I think his manager talked a bit about it, didn't he, in that video that Wickham released but... He's uh, he he prepares for every single day meticulously. He keeps a mind diary. Uh, so that. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's in a to keep himself in a good frame of mind. He, he keeps a diary on that sort of thing. He's he um apparently he, he's the first one in a train and the last one out. Stretches goes does a lot of training outside of the club, um, which other players don't do. So he's never injured. And I think Gareth Ainsworth spoke about that as well, said he's he's very rarely injured unless it's an impact injury because he looks after himself so much. And you think, well, that's the type of person you want at your club, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the same goes with Baldwin. I was reading a lot of the comments from the Peterborough fans and 
pretty much all of them who who replied to the the, the tweet that Peter Brad put up about him leaving, um, said just how much of a nice person he was and a good lad. And then Hartlepool came out didn't and said yeah. that ever since he's left, he's been pinned into a air, and they were like a lottery type thing, which goes towards the the youth team. And um, yeah, so. you know, the the fact that these teams are making the effort to go out of the way and and you know really build the build them up as a person. Um, I, I don't see how how things can go wrong if if uh, provided Sunderland are, are geared up to to head in the right direction, it can't go wrong for these lads. I don't think. Okay, that leads on nicely onto a question by Michael Smith. Um, Adam, I'll throw it at you. Do you think that Jack Ross is signing the right characters and players that will suit his style of play? Well, I think I, when Stuart Donald was on the podcast the other week, he spoke about the fact that our squad is still quite small, like height wise and build wise. But if you look at how Ross sets up the team especially at St Mirren that wasn't a particularly big side either and I think the players that were have brought in so Leuven's aside maybe you'd look at and you say they are a lot more technical like especially yeah. O'Neill coming in as well seems a very technical player not like a McGeoch as well mm-hmm. yeah what about the character we're talking about obviously there with Baldwin and stuff the characters of the players you know you're looking at players that seem to be very well thought of and that is something that Sunderland haven't really recruited very well over the last few years, I mean, that, that's got to be encouraging. Oh, yeah, well, definitely. I think, especially as Sunderland fans, I think we always kind of sacrifice a player with good ability for a player with good attitude. Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah. that's exactly, I think that's exactly how they recruit. Now, I always think Sunderland doesn't necessarily, a bit different in Newcastle, we don't really like superstars as much. It doesn't really fit the mould of the club. We prefer the grafters, like we prefer... Mm. Danny Collins, them sort of players, the ones who wear it on their sleeve and you know they're feeling it as you're feeling it. And I think recently, certainly the last five years, we've recruited the opposite, the corners of the world, and it yeah. just hasn't worked. Well, I think Charlie Methvin uh, said it best, didn't he, that first podcast they did with us, um, talking about effectively having to bribe players to come to Sunderland because they don't want to be in the northeast. How many years have we been doing that for? You know, and it, and it's... it's um, it's poisonous, really. It, it, it's a, it's like an, an attitude which, if you bring in every single player who's got an attitude like that, the whole place is going to be like that. Now, obviously, that's been the case, you know, for years and years now. Sunderland have suffered due to egos and due to poor attitudes, um, and obviously, obviously, that has to change. But they've, they've definitely recognised it. There's a certain. It's not only a certain uh, type of character they've targeted, but it's also. Um, players of a certain age as well. In in the main, we're looking at mid twenties players, pretty much in the mid twenties. Some of them who've um, came, fell out of top academies, or you know, at the age of twenty twenty one, being touted as the next big thing, maybe had to drop down a level to re- regain themselves a little bit. Um, that seems to be the type of player we're targeting. You know, you're looking at players like Charlie Wyke, for instance. If he does come, well, uh, you know, he got released by Middlesbrough, had to drop down the leagues, has done very well down the leagues. So he knows what it's like. And he, and, and a lot of these players, it, to them, like Simon said before, it's a chance for them. They're probably looking at him going, well, it might be the biggest club I ever play for now. I can't mess this up. And when, you, when you're watching the interviews with them, after when, the, when they're signing, they're all saying the same things. I look around the facilities and it's amazing, this club. And, you know... I was, I think it was Baldwin spoke about having his breath taken away when he when he looked around the academy of light. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. They could just be saying it. It could just be words. But I do get a bit of a different feeling about these players, uh, definitely. And I think, I think you've just got to hope it all gels quickly because if you're going to win the league, you need to have a good start as well. Um, and not having the striker in is the only the the, the main negative for me 
coming out of pre-season is that we haven't well, I mean striker hasn't been in amongst all of it and 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 hopefully it doesn't hurt with too much when we play Charlton because they've had a bad I mean I know we're going to get on that later but they've not had a very good pre-season themselves in terms of recruitment um, and that, maybe that's one thing we've got to consider as well look at the teams around us in the league and think like alright we've maybe had a tough time but look at the squad where you've got compared to some of these teams you know we're a lot. We've brought down some good players as well. We have. We're not. I know we're, we're talking a lot about need, the need to recruit and the need to the need to strengthen the team. But Sunderland's squad, which just came with it, isn't too bad. Players like Lyndon Gooch. I mean, what's he? Twenty two, twenty three. What would you pay for a American international twenty three year old to come and play in this league? Yeah, you, good players. You know what I mean. Him, Honeyman, seven goals in the championship last season. What would you pay for a midfielder who scored seven goals in the championship last season or eight goals, whatever it was? You've got to think of it that way as well. We, some of these players are good players. If McGeady stays, you know, there's someone who used to he was playing the Champions League not long ago. I think McManaman was the one they were disappointed to lose. Wasn't yeah, it? I think Jack Ross looked quite. He was disappointed with that. Yeah, which is interesting. I think McManaman probably would have fit in as well. The, yeah. Interesting. I don't know how much the club got from. I don't know if there was even a fee involved. There was a fee, <clears> but I don't think it was. It was a great deal, particularly. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he just didn't want to be here. And once he made that very clear, it was Wigan as well, know. wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, that was, was yeah. that's where he made his name, and and it was it yeah. was an emotional pull for him as well. Yeah. I like it. I like the. Um, I mean, Jack Baldwin was a captain, wasn't he? Glenn Leuven's was a captain. I like I like that side mm-hmm. of it as well. Leuven's really highly spoken of by Sheffield Wednesday people as well, just in terms of his leadership and his yeah. presence around the place, that sort of thing. Jack Ross actually in his press conference after the half of football on Friday night made a point of mentioning. He said he's not come here just to see out his career. He said he's already an important voice around the place and he's only been in the building for like a week mm. and a half. I like that they're doing people like that. You're right, the forward is still, you know, you can't really complete the sentence, can you, until until the forward's there. For what it's worth, White would be my choice. Um, I came across him a bit when he was at Carlisle after you quite correctly said his career progression. Within months at Carlisle, he made himself the main man. They liked him. They were very disappointed when he left for Bradford, but they understood why he left for Bradford to make the step up because mm-hmm. that's what he wants to do in his career. Um, I think he's a good age. I think the route he's been about, the sort of player he is, I think he would be a, a, a great fit for what they're trying to do. But hey, let's wait and see who comes through the door. What about Billy Sharp? Billy Sharp's the one I, I still think the interest in Billy Sharp. I think once Sheffield United make their moves, I think he'll become available. Uh, yeah. I agree. I, I think, don't want to like excite the fans. I don't, this I is think, no inside knowledge. This no, is my pure. It, it could be, but I think if that sort of thing's going to happen, that'll be August the eighth, August yeah. the ninth. Yeah, agreed. Because you're right. It'll be Sheffield. Sheffield United will have got Why player A through the door, yeah. and yeah, and then that might. It is interesting. Like it is interesting the way they've tried to recruit. Though, I mean, they're the bringing in, well, they've brought in and are trying to bring in strikers with a different set of characteristics to Sharp. I think they signed David McGoldrick, who's been on trial, but he's been brilliant in preseason. I think he scored in every game. Um, and then apparently they're after Waghorn. But the other names that were mentioned were like David Nugent and the strikers were a little bit different to Billy Sharp. The difference with Sharp is is that he's Sheffield United through and through. He's the captain. Um, off the pitch, he does a lot of charity stuff in Sheffield with his family. I think his wife's involved with that all sort of thing. They're very settled in Sheffield. And whilst um, he might not be first choice, he still going to get off the bench and you know be still probably an important part of the squad so it's about whether he thinks playing every week is more important than that isn't it and let's um, not let's not miss the point I think ideally they would like to bring in two strikers not yeah, just one but I think one is the baseline minimum 
if we don't because you got to think Sinclair's been brought in but I don't think he's been brought in to play as a target man or a lone striker well he's played out wide on the left a lot as well hasn't he and I think that's kind of why he played against yeah. Middlesbrough as well so when, where do you see Sinclair playing Adam? do you think you'll see him A playing a lot or well it depends front? on the we're not going to play with two up top essentially are we so I would imagine if he does start it will be in a wider position instead of through the middle I'd be surprised if he's came here not expecting to play games. But the, I made this point on Twitter the other day to somebody. The one thing that people have got to remember is that we could be playing 60 games this year. Yeah. Um. So when we're talking about, well, he's not going to start every week or will he play every week? It's 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 a pointless argument because over those games, there's going to be injuries. We're going to be playing two games a week. There's going to be cup competitions. And there's going to be people out of form. You need to have a lot of players, I think, to, to win a league. Um. So that's why I think two more strikers is important. Um, I like Madger. I think he's got a lot of good, you know, raw ability. Um, but I still don't think he should be at the club this year. If they get two strikers in, I would loan him out. I would let him go down the league and I would let him play every week in a League Two team. Even in the conference, just get him out for a year playing every week. Because he's not going to... I think he'll see himself at that level though. But he should, because he'll learn a lot from it. He'll learn a lot from it. I don't think he's going to play... play a big part at all this year. I think interesting that. That's interesting. I think I think he's a I think he's a a talented player, but he what experience does he have? He's if he's not starting every week at Sunderland, he, he's still only young. He's only nineteen. Get him out even for six months. Get him out on loan somewhere for six months. Play every week. You know, get roughed up a bit. Score some goals. Come back a better player, more wise player. You're going to be better off doing that than sitting on our bench because. The fact that we're targeting strikers tells you he's not first choice. And while I'm saying we need a big squad and it's going to be a, a long old season, I think with two more strikers plus Sinclair, I think you can probably free him up with Watmore coming back as well. You know, Watmore should go down a storm. If I mean, obviously they'll kid gloves with him coming back. But yeah. Sinclair, I think I agree. It's going to be. I mean, it's going to be four two three one, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. And Sinclair's a, a line of three player, and I think he can probably play anywhere across that. Yeah. Way. I think touched on a, a earlier. Adam, you were saying um, earlier when we were speaking, I think that the first name on the team sheet for the line of three is Gooch. I think Gooch will play most of the games because he's been impressive yeah. and I think it suits him really well, that role as well. And then you're looking at the likes of Sinclair, you've got McGeady to chuck in there as well if he's still at the club and that sort of thing. Um, and then hopefully, and then Magic can be involved in that as well um, yep. if, he, if he's there. Take your point. I think it's an interesting point about going out on loan, but whether or not they're going to find themselves in a position to be able to even have that conversation, I don't know. Yeah, it, but I think the, the the good thing about this transfer window is I think you can still loan players out afterwards you for a little bit, can't you? Thirty first. Yeah, so it's not an immediate decision we have to make. Mm. If come deadline day we sign a couple of strikers, they've still got time to try and but think about. If it, they bring in Wake, he's going to be out probably till September anyway. So might make sense then to have Madger there until the end of the window and then loan him out mm-hmm. at the end of August and then I'd, loan him out. I'd, like you see, it, it, it is interesting. Does he see himself? As a t- but from what I gather, he's 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 a grounded lad, and he's very, you know he's, he he listens to advice. There's never ever you been know. any sort of rumours about him being. No, a no, I I remember um, I might have spoke about this here just go on the podcast, but um, family member works at the academy and the work a lot specifically with the the scholars and the young players, and he knows Maja very well, and he says he's probably the nicest kid you'll meet. You know, very respectful. Or, you know, always stops to chat, um, trains hard, keeps his head down, so. You know, if somebody like Kevin Ball comes along and says, "Look, it's a good opportunity. You go out for six months and and you know get some games on your belt," he would take it. I'm sure. 
because it's better. I, I just don't see the point in keeping a player with that much talent and potential sitting on your bench for six months when he could be playing every week, come back a better player. Um, and But it all obviously relies upon us signing a couple of strikers, doesn't it? And the more time goes on, the less convinced I am that that's going to happen. But then, of course, there's always deadline day and it's mental, isn't it? We've had some mental deadline days in the past, but I do think this time, if we get the last couple of days and we've still got itchy feet about, oh, could still we would another player here or there, we will get them. I think that's what this recruitment team are about. I mean, I know there's been a bit of stop-start with the progress on certain transfers, but I think once it comes down to the, the last couple of days, I think we, we will really throw our weight about if we need to. Simon, what else do we need? Um, I think if they get O'Neill in, then I'm comfortable enough with central midfield. It was interesting to see, just in however long he was on the pitch, 15 minutes. I mean, it, it's basically, I think one of the, the ways that they got Dylan McGeer to sign was basically by saying, here's the keys to the car, you drive. Because he's going to run the team mm-hmm. when he's on the yeah. pitch. Um, and it's going to be who's alongside him. And... Um, I thought I was quite impressed with Flanagan when when he stepped yeah. up. Actually, mm-hmm. I thought I think he's going to be a useful guy to have he's about. A utility guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was all right. George obviously will. George Honeyman will sort of nominally probably be the, in the first choice. Currently, would be alongside McGeegan. Happy enough at midfield. Defensive options. Um, now they've got Baldwin again. Reasonably comfortable with that, assuming that the likes of Kone aren't going to be about. You could possibly get a bod another body in defensively. I'm not sure. Basically, it all comes down to strikers, doesn't it? That, yeah. That's it. That's, uh, it's the, the start of the, the conversation and the end of it as well, really. I think the, they could probably do a centre-back, to be honest. Well, didn't the manager come out after the game and say that he was... Oh, sorry, come out after Baldwin saying said he was happy with his central defensive options now? Yeah, he did. I think it was something along... He either said that or he said, I think that's how our business done in that position. Yeah. Um, to be fair, yeah. I mean, we've got, we've got obviously Flanagan who can play just about any defensive position by the... By the sounds of it, there's us two as um, well. Remember, yeah, and so he I, he I he was a lot better when he came on. I don't know, you didn't see you didn't see any of the earlier games, but he was poor, like at Don. Uh, I think he might have run out. Yeah, there, so. but I mean, the other night he was he looked reasonably comfortable, you know. Um, so hopefully he's up to speed now. He hasn't. I, th- I think to be honest, he went over to Turkey and wasn't training every day, and then he's been released. So he came in at the start of our preseason, maybe a bit unfit, and he's maybe just. Maybe some players take a little bit longer to pick their fitness up, don't they? Um, he was liked at heart. He was heart captain, wasn't he? There's another one. Another we're talking about captains. Yeah, he was captain at heart for a while. You know, with three centre back captains. Well, that's important though. It's yeah. really important. Yeah. I mean, having leaders all over the pitch, right down the spine of your team, is important. Like you said, McGeoch's going to run the team. Clearly, although he's not being a captain at Hibs, that sort of character, because you you know players who want the ball and take responsibility generally are good leaders um, and we just need that big powerful number nine for the rest of the team to to you know work off players like Gucci are going to thrive if we get someone big up top I'm convinced of it I think I think you could be talking about a player getting a player like Gucci getting 15 goals next season if the striking options are right if we get somebody up there capable of drawing defenders away from players like Gucci will run all day for you and he, you know he, I think he's improved a lot in terms of his, um, his ability to beat a man as well I I noticed that when he played that string of games towards the end of last season, the amount of times he just tortured a right back or a left back. Well, I think uh, he came you know. out recently in an interview and said that it's nice having a manager where like the shackles are off him, yeah. that he's free to go and move about wherever he 
he wants in that final third. Yeah, and I mean, that's one thing we didn't have a lot of last season, you know. The, the shape we played under Grayson was very, very negative. It was it's back rigid. to front, wasn't it? It was back to front. It didn't suit players like that. We had a team of midgets trying to play long ball football effectively. Then Coleman tried to play a defensive system with players who weren't defensively sound. Now it looks like because we've had a clean slate and we've had to we've had to, you know, get rid of a lot of players, we've been able to pick and choose a little bit in certain positions, which is why it should be easier to to adapt to situations with the squad we've got because we've signed proper central midfield players. This this O'Neill kid. I mean I'd never heard of him until, you know, obviously it came through that we were trying to sign him. But the more you hear about him you just think We've been missing a player like that for years. Like someone who who runs runs himself in the ground, box the box, and scores goals. Who was the last Sunderland centre midfielder we had who did that? I, I don't know. Maybe Dean Whitehead for a while. I don't know. It wasn't really a great championship. Yeah, yeah. We, Carl we, Robinson. I don't know. But just somebody, somebody who who's gonna really, you know, bare minimum, he's gonna run himself in the ground Henderson. every week. Ah, uh, he was one. He was one who ran yeah. himself into the ground. But those type of players, yeah. we don't sign them very often. I don't know why we don't. Um, it's it's just nice to see us being sensible even though these are players that fans maybe haven't heard of we've clearly thought about the recruitment process we've got some good people behind the scenes doing all the work I mean people think of transfers and they think of Stuart Donald and Jack Ross but from what we gather the, them two are on, on as involved as people might think you know a lot of it's on uh, Richard Hill and yeah. Tony Corton yeah. and the working hard behind the scenes to get the players in um, I think I don't think I think Donald mentioned on the podcast, didn't he? He hadn't met, he hadn't met quite a lot of the players yeah. yet. Um, and I think I was listening to a, to go off on a slight tangent. I was listening to Talk Sport yesterday, and they had Simon Jordan on, the former Palace chairman. Um, and he was asked by the presenter, you know, how much involvement does the manager have in things like uh, contractual negotiations? Is nothing? Should be nowhere near those negotiations. And I think a lot of football fans don't actually understand that, do they? They don't. They People don't think a football manager, don't they? Yeah, you're yeah. sitting there and mm-hmm. you're negotiating mm-hmm. them with the player, and that's not. So I think I think off the pitch we, we, we seem to be geared towards the right thing um, in terms of recruitment. One thing we haven't talked about, by the way, is is the under twenty threes and the. Oh, that, 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 that's on the list. It's on the list. We'll get there. Then. <laughs> if I'd moved on to something else, then you could have, you know, it, it, just, it just sprung to mind there. Yeah. No, I was actually going to ask what what do we make of the fact that um, the club are seemingly even though the the huge problems with the first team they're still working behind the scenes bringing in what I think we've brought in four in a 23 so far mm. oh, Adam what do you make of that do you think that's interesting I think they probably realised that we were pretty short in that area because we lost a lot of players over the last couple of years from the under 23 group I think especially last year they struggled quite a bit didn't they Yeah. so there's no problem sort of bulking it out having a look at players they're free and available and if something comes of them, then great. Do you think any of these are going to be anywhere near the first team? Probably not this year. No. So you think they've been I mean, players like Max Johnson? I looked at him and I was like, there is a chance that he could get the number two role. But they're, they're trying to go for a specific type of player. So they've been released from top academies. They've put them on short deals. Just come, you've got a year to prove yourself at Sunderland. You know. And they were obviously playing a man. Like one was from Manchester United. One was from Liverpool. Um, Swansea lad. Yeah, um, Everton. You know what I mean. So the, the targeting these these lads don't come through them systems unless they're talented. You know what I mean. You don't come through at Man U at any level if you're not talented because they can recruit all over the country. But they obviously offered them professional deals as well because we're mm. talking about you know twenty plus yeah. players. So I think um, a colleague of mine 
was said a couple of times, and it, it, I, I like the way he says it. He said, "Don't underestimate how good you've got to be to be a bad footballer." Yeah. <laughs> uh, to get that far, you you know what you're doing hmm. and that kind of. Thing. Yeah, I mean, when Stuart Donald has been sat in this chair or the chair that you're sat in Your doing chair. the podcast <laughs> with, with yourself, he's made a point of how important he sees the academy going forward, hasn't he? Because it it's a remarkable resource for a club in League One to have, and given that they're looking to basically reboot the whole club they want it to start producing more, don't they? And I think they've been quite upfront about that. So I'm not surprised they've made a number of under-23 signings. There's, there's no guarantees with under-23 signings, but I think it's a, it's, it's a worthwhile investment to try and do that and see if you can start that ball rolling again. It's risk-free, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Particularly with so many of them coming through in the first team as well. And you look at the, you look at the squad that we've, we've had pretty much throughout pre-season and it's... It's the glue that's held it together, isn't it? The the, the academy players. Um, we've just sold Joel Asaro there for a. Some people would say for a, a smaller fee than we maybe would have wanted, but for his experience and stuff, that's probably about right. Two and a half million quid. They got the but, sell on as well, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then before that, the season before, we sold Pickford for thirty million, and they're going to want to be able to do that every couple of years. Sell a couple of players for a lot more than we ever put into them, and it keeps the. Keeps the academy afloat. It keeps the whole thing ticking, doesn't it? Basically, Martin Armstrong asks, "Is there a role for Catamol? Presuming Catamol stays, where, where do we see him? Is he going to be starting? Is he going to be on the bench?" See, um, well, our, from the podcast he did with Barnsley, uh, Barnsley said that they won't cut the nose off to spite the face with Catamol. Catamol is a, a decent professional, a good professional. What whatever people think of him now as a footballer and the role that he's played at Sunderland over the last few years. Um, I wonder if if he's still at the club after, at the end of August, uh, or the transfer deadline, the ninth, that, that sort of thing. I wonder if he might be the finisher rather than the starter now. If he might be the guy who, when you're winning 1-0 away from home, you bring on with half an hour left, rather mm. than the one who's got the responsibility for shaping the game from the start. Somebody with, with his skill set, it might be seen as a better use of of what he's got to actually be the finisher rather than the starter now. Now, obviously, he won't want to do that. He won't want to be a guy sitting on the bench in League One. Mm. But that is possibly, if I'm honest, the role that I think he might have if he's still here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that impression. You think of the players we've bought. So we've bought McGeoch, who's, from what I've seen, the limited amount of football I've seen from him, he's playing a role which Catamore played under Poirier, where he used to sit in front of the back four and dictate bit of a quarterback, basically. Um, that's the sort of role that Catamol played under Poye. Then you've got O'Neill, who by all accounts is just box-to-box in your face. I think there was a quote from Gareth Ainsworth where he said he was talking about a certain game and he said that Luke never let his man breathe. That's the sort of player that he is. He, he you know, uh, plays the... Jack Ross's style is to play with a high press. Catamol is not capable of playing that style of football anymore. He just doesn't have the legs for it. So we've signed players who are coming in to do jobs that Catmull used to be able to do, basically, and he can't anymore. Um, like you say, he'll want to play every week, but he's not going to be able to. But like I said earlier, you need to have a big squad. There's going to be times when we do need to bring Catmull in maybe midweek or on a weekend when someone's got a niggle or a knock. Let's not forget, McGeoch's had two knocks already in pre-season, came, um, and the one warning we did get about him was that he was injury-prone. 
you know, we need to have options. We can't just say, right, well, McGeoch's going to be an important player, but if he's not fit, he's not going to be very important at all, is he? We do need to have a couple of options in that role, which well, is Ross, why I'm... Ross hoping. has been reasonably complimentary of Catamol so yeah, far yeah. throughout mm-hmm. preseason. And realistically, the why we're trying to get rid of him is purely financial-based, not necessarily his ability, is it? Mm. Yeah, I think it's part that he's stale, isn't he? And one of the things that could revitalise Catamol is actually winning games. If he's in a team that's actually winning and dominating games, then you know, for the first time really since he's signed for her, certainly since Steve Bruce left, he's going to be in a team that's actually uh, winning, which he hasn't had. So that, that could, again, that could give him a fresh lease of life. There's me thinking very positively because I know how badly Catamol's been the last couple of years, but you never know when you do start winning games, that changes things for players. He's, he's a resource though, isn't he? Whereas if... They're left with the the awful situation of Undong, Gilabodji, Kone, Oviedo. Oviedo will go. But um, those sort of players still being at the club after the transfer window or all options to get them out of shot, that is a problem for the club. I don't see Catamol still being there being a problem for the club. I think it would probably be best for all parties if it could be engineered for Lee Catamol to go to a different club. But if he is still there, I think it will be fine. It will. He will play some part and he won't be a problem. Okay. Are we all done on transfers there? We're ready to move into uh, ridiculously early predictions <laughs> for the season ahead that you'll have stable to you for the, the rest of the season. Let's go for it. I'm prepared. Okay. D Sharp <laughs> asks, goal scorers in the team, predictions for top scorers. So I presume we'll pick who you think is going to be top scorer and who do you think are going to be maybe the two underneath? Two top scorer. It's it's difficult because we don't have the strikers in yet. Um, let's just say top scorer the players we've got currently. Then, eh? um, mm, I'm going to say of the players we've got now, I'm going to probably say Honeyman if he sticks around. I think if he's capable of getting eight goals in his debut season in the championship, you think he can get maybe about fifteen at this level. Um, the one, I mean, he, he is he has got a lot. He needs to work on in his game. But George Honeyman, one thing he is good at is being in the right place at the right time, making late runs into the box. If we're going to be playing an attacking style of football, players like him and O'Neill are going to be, you know, a godsend next season because they will score goals. So I'm going to say of the players we've got now, Honeyman, if we sign Billy Sharp, then Jesus Christ, yeah, he'll get 25 goals for you, no bother. He's never scored less than 23 or something at this level when he's played not even a full season when he hit that as well. So he's going to be almost uh, a guarantee of promotion to be honest if you put the rest of the squad with him in it you know you're, you're talking <laughs> very optimistic <laughs> yeah but you are looking at though like a guarantee of goals there's not many players you can look at and say when you have them right he's going to score you that many goals but we know that he's 20 plus at this level he's always been very good in league one so I think yeah I agree yeah I think that's, that's what you, you say Honeyman you think Honeyman's likely to go I know there's been rumblings. People well, do you think it's interesting he's not came out and spoke about his future or his commitment to Sun and Wears other players have? There was an interview on the club website though, right at the very end of the season, wasn't it? But then I'm talking about since the uncertainty came about about his future over the summer because it has been talked about pretty openly. Um, It was by the owner on our podcast. You know what I mean? Agent stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But but the 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 thing (laughs) is, is that some of those players that were singled out have come out since and. Spoke about how they were committed. I mean, Gooch was the big one. It was last week, wasn't it? Yeah. Came out and spam. I'm here. I'm I'm ready to knuckle down. I want you know. I want to get promoted. Great. It'd be good to hear something like that from George Honeyman. He hasn't you been know? captain in pre-season as well, like in most of the games. And you'd think if he was kind of agitating for a move, then obviously Ross wouldn't hand on the captaincy. Oh, yeah, pre-season, yeah. but still. 
It, but I still think, do you not know, think if a championship team come in with a decent offer, that he might go? But would Honeyman, is Honeyman the sort of player, though, where he would complain if the club, say somebody offered a million and we went, no, no, we want two? Would he be the sort of player who'd you know put in that transfer request, or is he maybe not? No, you but know, he's a local. He's a good. Age, he's a good age, and he got quite a lot of goals at that level last season. There's going to be teams who wouldn't mind a sniff of that. I, I think. How long has he got left in his contract? A year, a year or two. Yeah, he's not two. Long. No, I, I can't I remember when he last yeah, signed a new deal. I, I don't think the, the length of contract. I don't think is an issue for the club particularly at the minute. Yeah. Um. It's. I mean, we know his agent is. Yeah. There is that thing that until the window's gone and, and there's no chance of him going anywhere, then there is always a situation because he's a saleable asset for, for what is in Sunderland's squad at the moment. He is a saleable asset until the end of the window. Probably so is Gooch as well, but Gooch, obviously all the, the sounds are the right sort of sounds. I think Gooch is the guy who should be the second. I think Sunderland's top scorer next season doesn't play for the club yet. And uh, Gooch, I think, should be looking to score double figures in League One next season. Do you think we should criticise the club for not getting that striker in for our pre-season? Do we... No, they're the hardest the hardest beasts to catch. They're the hardest players to sign. They're the most important players on the pitch yeah. for any club. They're, they're highly prized and they're difficult to sign. And Sunderland haven't got as much money to play with as they've often had in the past. It's important to sign the right one as well. You just don't want to kind of have a striker off at the end decide, all right, okay, mm. we'll just sign them because it's available and we need them. <clears throat> so happy that the club have done their best. I think it was Paul Hurst, the Ipswich manager, came out and said, you know, everybody wants a good striker and nobody wants to sell them. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult. Um, I would, I would want. Uh, how do I word this? If you, I would criticize the club if I thought they weren't trying, yeah. but they are. Um, the the big one for me was the um, and it, and it, it kind of flew under the radar a bit. But the, when, when we tried to sign Camberry before he went to Hibs, we put a lot of money on the table. He came to Sunderland, looked about, loved the look of the place, but Hibs had a clause which they exercised and got him very, very cheap. His club weren't particularly happy because they, could, they stood to make about 400 grand more from selling them to Sunderland. Um, but he went to Hibs where he's, he's probably going to have, a, have a, you know, a good career there because the fans already know him and they love him. But we really tried to get him, you know what I mean? We really tried to get Lyle Taylor. He just didn't want to move. It's just circumstances have been unfortunate. White got injured in pre-season. Tell me he wouldn't be here by now if he hadn't got injured. Because I think he would have. I think he would. I think he would have played two pre-season games if if he hadn't picked up an injury. Push White, even though he's injured. Yes, absolutely. Going to. Yes, I think so. So do you think what the, they're negotiating on some sort of I don't know a lower price? If he's injured or I've got a feel. And this is based on nothing, but I've just got a feeling to be here before Charlton. But obviously, he won't be able to play. You know, yeah, yeah. But I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling. As you've touched upon as well, it's that fine balance, isn't it? Because Bradford probably accepts that he's going to move on this summer, but they, they won't want him to move on until they've got somebody who can at least adequately fill their number nine shirt. Yeah, I think they've signed well. somebody, haven't they? They've signed somebody on loan, haven't they? They've, they've signed a big striker. I can't remember who, though. Uh, is it Magenis from Charlton? Kyle McNennis. No, maybe. Oh, no, I think he might actually, he might yeah. have went to Bolton. Yeah. But did. Yeah, did. But, Bradford have signed somebody in the last couple of days, right. but I can't remember who. Um, but he's, I think he's six three. So you're looking at him, and you're thinking, yeah, that's it. I think I think the man just came out and said they want two strikers, but that's a that's got to be a white replacement, surely. The noise leaving, like you said, Simon. The noise leaving. It's a case of where he goes, isn't it? Um, Bolton, yeah, it was Bolton who signed that player. So, but Bolton are the competition for White, and if Bolton have signed somebody else, they're not in as much of a rush to get a striker through the door. 
who else is going to stump the money up? I think Wigan were rumoured, but they don't have the money. They were, they were talking about trying to sell yeah, players to raise funds to go in for him. Position, aren't you? Because Sunderland, while they don't have a lot of money, still have more money than every team in League One. So if there is the, the hot commodity at that level, then the, we can afford the, to get it. The competition is championship clubs, isn't it? Yeah. It's interesting, Marriott went so cheap as well. Jack, a, yeah, that was a three point. I think it was a big sell on fee there, but that was yeah, that was interesting because yeah. Stuart Donald spoke about them on our and podcast. Six and, and a half. Six and a half million that teams were being quoted on the grapevine. Admittedly, I don't think we'd actually inquired into them, but um, it shows you, doesn't it? It just shows you the money you can make from a good player at this level now. Um, Peter Brav always done well, though, haven't they? Really, I think they've managed to hold on to Marcus Madison so far, but he'll go for a lot of money eventually too. Um, so that, that's another thing, isn't it? Signing players when we're talking about having. Players of a good age, um, you sign a good a player like we are, 24, 25 year old, have one good season, they're going to have good teams sniffing around them, which could stand to make some money, which is again something we've never done for a long time, is try to make, try to sign players we're going to make a profit on. Um, but to go back to the original question about strikers, I think we have tried. Um, I just don't think it's come off for us yet, and there's still a little bit of a, there's still about a week or so, maybe. Is it a week? A couple, couple of weeks, maybe. Yeah, I so we've still got time. Just okay, ideally, everyone wants them in yesterday, don't they? But it's just mm. not been the case. Do you think, uh, while this is sort of a dig at ourselves, do you think Stuart talking about targets on podcasts and on Twitter helps? I don't know. I'm not. In the, I'm not. I'm not in the situation where uh, where we're. I don't know. I don't know if clubs will listen or care really what we're writing or talking about. On I don't know because I, th- I think now it's got the stage where like national outlets are picking up stuff we're putting out there it's Maybe. it's difficult isn't it because it's raw news going out but the, the thing is as well you've got to remember uh, is is that it's a good I agree it's, it might be a good bargaining chip for other clubs or, or agents if if they know Sunderland are definitely in for players because it's being put out there um, but I don't think it's cost us anybody I wouldn't say it cost us more ISA no, I don't, I don't think it has. I just think I, my my feeling, my gut feeling on that one was that that was always going to happen. He was always going to go to Bristol because the the manager and son yeah. thing, the the yeah. father and son thing between the two managers. He was always going there. We were used to drive up a price, and the price was high as well in the end. Two point two five. We were quoted one and a half, and he goes for two point two five. Eventually, it's like mm, interesting. You know, isn't it? <laughs> All clubs prefer the cloak and dagger approach, and. They prefer their transfer business to be done totally below the radar and to produce the press release and for everyone to say, oh, look at that. Yeah, Didn't know that exactly. was happening. Which we have actually done. Yeah. Well, exa- exactly. They have once or twice. I-, I don't know. I think they'd prefer, you know, probably if you asked Tony Coton and that sort of thing, he'd probably prefer if Stuart hadn't said one or two of the things he did. But you know what? I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> I've really enjoyed hearing it. I've really enjoyed the way he's come and sat in here and, and the way that he's interacted with fans. I, I take your point. I don't think it's actually done any harm. If he if he's decided to or been advised to back off just the transfer side of stuff a bit, so be it. But it's been great, hasn't it? It's been great fun. Brilliant. It's been... It's just... I mean, as, as a fan, knowing what's going on is nice, isn't it? It doesn't matter if you agree with yeah. some of the stuff that's coming out or not. Just knowing what's going on is great. You just it, feel a bit more involved, don't you? Yeah. Oh, and it, it it's better than... I can remember having to read rumours on bloody C-Facts when I was a kid and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Waiting for the papers to come out and read it in the back of the paper. And the, Waiting for Simon like, to come on IT. <laughs> I on that. Said. But like, it, it, it's nice to, to to know that what's going on is, is I guess, legit. There's, there's been very little speculation in the way of Sunderland, hasn't it? 
a lot of it's been quashed straight away by Stuart Donald on Twitter. You know, as soon as, as soon as somebody makes something up, he tends to come out and just stamp all over it, doesn't he? Pretty much straight away. Which is good because it stops stuff festering as well. So there's pros and cons both ways, I think. I think it's you know. predominantly pro. Like I think this the sort of what we've had with the podcasts have almost been groundbreaking. Like I've never ever known a club do something similar where they come on and they do tell you the things and it's almost peeking behind the curtain that nobody has ever Oh, it's been done. brilliant. Look, I mean, from the point of view of, you know, being in, in the sort of more mainstream media. The, the first podcast he did with you guys where he was talking about what Margaret Byrne says in the negotiation room and that sort of thing, some of that stuff's uh, remarkable. Yeah. It was very, very, very open stuff and, and, and that sort of thing. The agent stuff as well. Yeah, I found it, that really ex- good. exactly. His thoughts on agents were, were very groundbreaking, really, and, and that kind of thing. It's been, it's been really, really interesting and I think it has helped endear him to the fan base. Yeah, I, I think it's been good. I think and it's not just the podcast either like uh, by the time this goes out people will be it'll be Monday morning but he's doing the he's at the AGM isn't he the Red White yeah. Army AGM doing a and a we'll be there tomorrow um, but it's not just that he's going around meeting fans he's meeting fan groups you know taking time out of his day to meet people when he is up here and I think that will continue I mean can you imagine once the pressure's off with, with regards to the transfer window and he can actually just sit back and deal with some of the other stuff I just enjoy it a little bit you know because he I mean Nobody can tell me he's enjoying all this. It must be so stressful. Can you imagine how, like, when you've got that much pressure on you to deliver a striker and it's not happening and you're getting bombarded with messages? Isn't it? And he does put himself out there, let's be honest. So it, he's he's leaving himself open to criticism. But, I mean, it must be stressful. So once the first ball's kicked on Saturday, he's going to love it, isn't he? Because he's it's, August 10th, it's to be honest, and get yeah. rid of the transfer window and focus on the, the good bits. Because to be honest, he's what I've gathered from speaking to him on and off camera is just he's a massive football fan absolutely loves football went to Russia took his kids there and all that sort of stuff and I comes just think, across it really yeah, does come like, across he really does love football you know I know it's a business and all that sort of stuff but that's what I get from it anyway that's a bit of a side tangent so back to matters of Sunderland Sergeant Scooter Boy which is a, a very interesting Twitter handle asks <laughs> crowd predictions for the opening day Oh, we we're sold about twenty-two thousand season tickets. So there'll be at least that there. I kind of know this already. If bear in mind, see, see, unless there's major like upheaval in amount of tickets sold, I think we're looking at about twenty-four thousand. Nah, kind of. Yeah, I think we've sold about twenty-two. That's Charlton are only bringing four hundred. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah, it's like an early kickoff, and it's on TV. So, mm. uh, but Charlton are only bringing four hundred in there. You know, between between. Pretty much now in the weekend, the club have got to try and drive ticket sales. But the thing is, is everybody who wants to be there, all my mates, like I've got a big group of friends, half from Sun, half from Newcastle, but all the Sun and lads, a lot of them didn't have season tickets last year. They've bought them this year because they've really bought in everything what's going on. So people who want to be there have probably bought a season ticket. You're going to struggle to sell match day tickets, I think. Yeah, it might be interesting though if they sign a big name, let's say, for example, Sharp. Them managed to sign him during the week. A couple of new example, players, maybe. Mm. Then that might drive tickets up I've, a bit. I've got a good idea for them. What they should do is they should put a tweet up saying, if you want us to sign players by <laughs> until we hit 28,000, we are not yeah. signing a player. That could work. I'd be probably about 25,000. or I don't think it'll be above 25,000. Bear in mind it's August as well. People go on holiday in August. Um, so I, I, I think it'll probably be not over the top massive start with a three, but I think it'll be a good solid crowd and it will be 
the crowd that they get for the opening game against Charlton probably won't be the biggest crowd they get throughout the season, but it will be bigger than any other League One club yeah, will get throughout the season by an absolute. They'll probably be ten times bigger than the likes of Akron in that who yeah. are in that league, Wimbledon. You know, they only play in front of two, three thousand people, which is just crazy. It's only really us, Pompey and Bradford, isn't it? Charlton as well. Charlton, do they? They're yeah. about 12, 13. Yeah, they, I think they took a bit of a pummeling though, didn't they, with their, the ownership issues they've had and stuff. A lot of fans stopped turning mm-hmm. up to their games. Plymouth yeah. do all right as well. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're mm-hmm. not bad. They're a big big club. I don't mm-hmm. know how many Oxford and that play in front of they seem to be. They've got a decent sized ground, haven't yeah. they? But I don't yeah. think we've got many through the gate there. I, but, I was thinking that it might be about 20... Eight there to be honest. I was thinking. I hope you're right, like, but it's, yeah, b- b- I agree. Of the conversation I had on Friday, I don't think we've sold much more than twenty-two thousand already. Yeah. Well, last last season, what were we sold? What twenty thousand season tickets? But the crowds never dropped below. Officially, obviously, I know the season ticket holders didn't go, but it never dropped below about twenty-four. I think was the lowest we had. Most times I sat there though, and I was like, "There's no <laughs> way there's that many people in this ground." Yeah, but it'd be interesting. I don't know. I mean, I would just be surprised if they didn't sell. At least two or three thousand on the day sales. On the day, like not on the day, just uh, yeah. normal tickets. It is on Sky as well. Though, it so is on Sky, which people that are kind of at that halfway house. Should I go? Should I not go? Yeah, but think about it another way. You know, count your blessings in one respect. Had had this summer not happened, had oh. Ellis Short still been the oh, owner, God. and who who knows who would be the manager at this point, and still the awful situation that that has been going on for for the last two years before the change of ownership. What would the crowd be then? It would, be, it would probably be under 10,000. And you just have to think, at least there's enthusiasm going into this now. And, yeah. and it, you know, at least there should top 20,000 on the first day. Hey, that's good. I think we actually had 16,000 sold, didn't we? Before the new owners? Yeah, came. and then they made a big push to get 17, then 18, then 19. It just yeah. kept going, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it did well. Uh, Alex Jones who actually know who's a Rochdale fan and Jack HS asks who do we see as promotion challengers Cough Rochdale any outside ideas apart from Rochdale don't expect <laughs> Rochdale to be up there to be honest um, I was having a look at the league table before I came along here and like who's in the league this year and I had a look at last year's league table as well and I think the scary thing from Sunderland's point of view is that it's not really that scary the league there's not one team I can pick out who I think they're definitely going to do well. They're powerful. They look good. Obviously, you look at last season, Shrewsbury finished third. They've lost their manager, but you'd presume that they'll do all right again. Scunthorpe are usually up there in that division. Burton are always up there in that division. Barnsley should be okay. Um, Charlton should be okay. An outside bet, I would fancy Portsmouth to to sort of push on towards the promotion side of things, but there's nothing to be scared of. And I, I'm not, I know this is such a work in progress. And, and you know, if this, if Sunderland, Stuart Donald and Jack Ross is going to be a, a great volume, we're only up to about chapter three. So it's hard to make bold predictions about what's going to happen. But I don't think there's anything for Sunderland to be scared of in that league next season. So Simon says, well, league champions, early <laughs> prediction. We are going to win it by a country mile. <laughs> Every team, there's nothing to worry about. Gav, what do you think? Um, I think Barnsley will do well, always do. This, they're a bit of a yo yo team in this league, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and they've still, I mean, they'll be praying they can hold on to players like Brad Potts before the transfer window closes. Good player and championship. We've been like with him, haven't we? Yeah, we got quoted a bit too much, I think. I think everyone has. They want about two million quid from. Yeah, it's a lot of money for a player who's probably only worth it. Puts about, the Joel Asoro transfer in perspective, though. It does, but 
at the end of the day, he's probably Barnsley's best player and they're going to want a lot of money for him. It's just what it is, isn't it? Um, so I reckon Barnsley, I think Portsmouth have signed some good players, big home crowds, which will help. I think they'll do well. Um, they were unlucky last year, weren't they? I think just missed out on the players. Yeah, yeah. Got Kenny Jack, though, signed signed the the centre half who we should have signed and didn't because the last regime offered him a bit too much, didn't they? The guy from Burton offered uh, him. Is it Neela? Fifty or something? He was is he called Neela? Tom yeah. Neela. Tom Neela. Yeah, mm. they've signed a good player though. Um, and the outside one would probably be Luton because they played such a good brand of football playing in League Two. It, it doesn't. There's not a big gap there. I think I think they'll do all right. So, but like Simon says, I don't know for one, I don't know the league very much, but it, there's not much scaring us like at all. We came down with two poor teams, didn't we? And we've strengthened a lot more yeah. than they have. Yeah. So that's what fills me with a bit of hope because it tends to be, especially in League One, the teams who drop out the championship always seem to do well regardless. But Burton and Burton have lost some of, some decent players um, and to be honest, didn't have a very big squad anyways. Barnsley will just probably be there or thereabouts, but. I mean, we've got it with the with the amount. Of, I know we haven't spent a lot of money yet, but we've been able to bring in good players like McLaughlin, McGeoch are both above this level, in my opinion. Even though I've only seen them in pre-season, from what you hear about them and then what you've seen in pre-season, you've got I think probably above this level. And we've brought some good players down with us. I'd be very surprised if we're not there or thereabouts. I just think it's more about can you keep your best players fit because that's all it was last year for me. If we'd if we'd signed some bigger lads. Through the spine of the team and kept our best players fit, we might have stayed up last year. And we had didn't. A goalkeeper. Uh, yeah, that and that. Um, at least we went to address those issues. So, in a roundabout way, yes, I do. Th- I think we'll do well, and I think probably Barnsley. And then after that, I'm struggling maybe Pompey. Adam? Yeah, well, it's all about momentum, isn't it? There's always one dark horse that always creeps up, mm. and you foster that winning mentality, and you never know who could do it, you know? Yeah. So, Rochdale for you. <laughs> nah, probably not. <laughs> no, you're not too much, <laughs> I don't know anybody who plays for Rochdale. That's Dean Hen- Ian Henderson. I think they've got a striker called Ian Henderson. Oh. Yes, they do. Yeah, I think they've yeah. done all right last I year. I do generally he? check the Rochdale results. <laughs> I feel really it. ignorant, but I just don't know enough you know, about it. It's, it's funny that though, because my sphere of football knowledge is literally the Premier League Championship. Because Sunderland's always been in them, and I've always kept an eye on them. Generally, one of the northeast teams is in the Championship, dropping the league one. I've I've only been to three League One games in my life in the wall at Leeds when they were down there. <laughs> I've never ever been to League One games. Like it's a brand new level. All the teams I've never seen play. It's just it's gonna be quite an experience for some of the fans, especially home and away ones. I think you what you will find is that a lot of the teams see Sunderland as a big scalp and we've got to be able to cope with that. That was the same yeah. last year, really, though, as well. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. I, it is fine. I think it's part of the fascination, isn't it? The, I think everyone, and this is a, a thing for supporters more than club, although it is very important the club get it right as well that someone need to be humble next season even even if as everyone hopes the spanking teams every week they still need to be humble they don't need to be give it the big I am give it the big high and mighty we shouldn't be here we're just tourists we'll be out of your league tin pot league mm-hmm. in a month they shouldn't be like that at all they should be humble they should be gracious and they should go and create the right impression supporters as well wherever they go yeah yeah the, the supporter things are I think the supporters thing, will by the way yeah but it, that that comment Charlie Methan made about the supporters in that first podcast about realigning expectations, because um, some people and you see some of the comments on social media have we signed this player yet? Why have we not spent money? Blah blah blah. You think people have just got to calm down, like put faith in the people that you're obviously quite infused by in Donald Methan, all the people they've put faith in behind the scenes, and just calm it down, let them do their job, relax because they do know what they're doing in my eyes, and I think people have just got to. 
remember where we are. We're not we're not in the Premier League anymore. You know, the amount of times I've seen who's that? Who's this player we're signing? I mean, that's that's such a small time mentality in my eyes. Look at where we're at. We're in the league. We're in the we're in the third tier. We're signing players who are proven in this division or above, and you've got to hope they've got enough to get 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 over the line come the end of the season. But until everybody is on that same wavelength, and I think we're getting there. Once everyone's on that wavelength, and we're, say we're going to the Charlton game, and everybody, I don't want people on that case after five minutes like there was last year. I mean, I was down at Hartlepool, and it was absolutely vile. The crowd was vile at Hartlepool. And that just reminded me of last season. I was like, I hope it's not like this come Charlton because it was vile. And that's one game, I know. But the impression I got coming away from there was that people don't understand where we're at. You know, booing players because they were making bad touches in the preseason game. I mean, that's not going to help anybody. We all need to be on the same page. And I do think we're getting there. But until we are all sort of on the same level, it's going to be difficult for the club to move on from where we've been in the past. Do you think... Uh, I thought it was due, Adam, to we sit together. Do you think next, well, the Charlton game, we'll go down 1-0 early on. Is that going to be a defining moment in the season? As stupid as that sounds, could that be a moment where we go, oh God, I can't believe it's happened again. We're down 1-0, crowd turns on the players. You know what might happen? Depends on the nature of the performance, really. If you can see that they're making an effort, that they're trying hard, that the, that level of performance is acceptable, if you will, then... No, I don't think that they will necessarily turn. There'll always be people, you know what my dad's like, for example. (laughs) But you can't please everyone. But on the whole, if they rock up and they can't put two passes together, then yeah, they probably will be. Does that not worry? Like, that's what worries me is we've done all this pre-season, we've got the new ownership, and then that opening day and things don't go right from the start. Mm. And I'm just worried about it. I'm not saying it'll happen, but I'm worried about like that snowballing and we just can't get out of that. Well... You could be talking about the Derby game from the start of last season because the exact same thing happened. With the week before being battered off Celtics, everybody was back down to base mm-hmm. level in terms of morale. Went one nil down, and the team battled their way back into the game. And should have won for a, for a month or so. We looked all right, didn't we? And then it all mm-hmm. went sour. But I, I I think that you could have been talking about the Derby game last season because that was the same sort of feeling that people had last year. What will happen if we go one nil down? And to be fair, the players reacted quite well. Because it was there was a few moans and groans, and I think Galloway had been at fault for the goal, hadn't he? he? And we managed to get ourselves back into the game. I think, I think if if you can see what uh, this is the thing about preseason as well. I've watched quite a lot of it, and you can see what they're trying to do on the pitch. And I think provided the majority of people can see what they're trying to do in terms of the style of play, um, I, I can't see it being a massive issue. Like I think, I think they've signed. Well, I think was it was it Stuart Donald was talking about Maguire, wasn't he? And he says he'll not shrink, and he he know that's obviously something in the back of their head. They know what went wrong in the last couple of years, and they've tried to sign players who won't find some an uncomfortable place to play because a lot of them have. A lot of them just, I mean, how many times the players go off with injuries, niggles, and stuff, and you thought you don't want it. And I'm 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 speaking very prematurely here, but I'm hoping that the players have brought in now aren't going to be like that. What do you think the atmosphere will be like with the lower bowl just being open? Do you think that'll in, improve it? It's not. Look, it, there's no getting away from it. It's not a good look for a club to have to shut part of the ground, is it? Yeah. It's not a good look. Interestingly, but, very well publicised compared to other clubs that have done it because I don't. Yeah. Um, uh, Bill, I did it as well. Did well, they? There you go. I didn't know that. It <laughs> should. It should just acoustically. It should probably improve the atmosphere. I think it'll be fine. Just to touch on the opening game thing, I don't think 
we should read too much into the opening game or the opening couple of games. I was interested with what Nick Barnes said on his podcast last week. I think he's probably right. It's quite a tough start in terms of the fixtures Sunderland have got. Sunderland are basically a rip it up and start again, blank sheet of paper, new team. We all hope they make a good start, but if they don't, I wouldn't be overly throw the baby out with the bathwater, that kind of thing. Um, Just give give it some time. I remember the Derby game um, a year ago and a colleague of mine sat in the press box when Graben got ready to take the penalty, said could this be one of the most important moments of Sunderland's season? And you think, oh, I know exactly what you mean. And mm-hmm. then, of course, he scores it. And it wasn't one of the most important moments in Sunderland's yeah. season at all. It was the first game of the season. It was a half-decent performance. Sadly, as it turned out, probably about the eighth best performance of last season <laughs> in a 1-1 home draw with Derby. Um, so I don't think... you. I think we all want to read a lot into opening games of the season. Uh, and if they win it 6-0, fine. <laughs> Go ahead, knock yourself out. But um, I don't ever think that you should read too much into it. Fair. Uh, where are we at here? Ah, Ross Collier. What is par for the season? Would the playoffs be a disappointment? Now, I, I've got my own view on this. Uh, I think that anything less than champions, for me, is a failure for the size of club we are, for the money we've got, for the calibre of manager we've got, calibre of players we've got. I think if they don't win the league, I'm not saying right now if you're off to second, I wouldn't take because I would. I think they've got to be win the league. What, what do you think, Adam? What do you think? What is... I honestly don't care as long as they get promoted. So is that, I think that that's, that's the, the measure and end promotion. All, as far as I'm concerned. If I could, if I could hand-pick the way it goes, I'd have us winning at Wembley in the playoffs because I've never seen someone win at Wembley. No, you don't want I, that. You do, like... No, you, you do. do if, obviously, if you know they're going to win, but I would far rather... No, I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. If I could if I could cherry-pick it now and say, well, what do I want to happen? I want to see someone win at Wembley and get promoted that well, way. Well, they can do both. Check a trade. Don't forget the check a trade trophy. <laughs> well, League Cup. Bradford got the yeah. final. <laughs> yeah. We can do that. We'll win the League Cup. But no, yeah, being realistic, I think Champions has got to be the aim. They won't come out and see it, but behind the scenes, they're telling the players are trying to sign they want to win the league, aren't they? They're not going to be... They won't, they won't come out and publicly say because once you start doing that, you, you then pressure, set an expectation it? level and it's pressure. They won't come out and do that. I know Stuart Donald on, on our occasion has referred to we want to get promoted. Of course, everybody in this league wants to get promoted. But for the reasons you've just outlined, I think a failure... It wouldn't be a failure, but anything less than winning the league... Um, what's the word anything less than winning the league wouldn't be us meeting our target in terms of all the things you said the size of the club the, the level of player we've got the manager I think you the could, setup. you it's, could forgive it if it was like last year where Blackburn and Wigan both finished well up clear of everybody I can't even remember who won the league it shows how close it was I think they both finished on a lot end, of points yeah. Though, didn't yeah. they? I can forgive that but I think overall we should be the best team in that league so therefore winning the league has to be the, the expectation of everybody at the club surely Wanted to be like the last time. I am old enough to remember when Sunderland played in the old Division Three. I, I was minus six. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am. I am old. En- I was. I was. I, I'm old enough to remember that. Uh, my hope is that it goes something like that. But overall, given the upheaval at the club this summer, I think if the four of us were sat in this room this time next year, looking ahead to the first game of the Championship, then that would represent job done, no matter how it got done. We'll book you in then. We'll get you in for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday in a year's time, we'll get you in for the, the podcast preview in the, the championship season where we'll be uh, looking for promotion again. Uh, to the Charlton game, we've ran 150. We always seem to run well over an hour now. 
Charlton game though, team prediction. Uh, Adam, I made you do yours beforehand. I so get it on your down. phone, you can go through because obviously with so many new players, you might forget them. So you want to go through your team and then we'll criticise yes. and say you're an idiot. Uh, McLaughlin, Love, Lubins, Baldwin, Matthews, Oneen, so Pending Signs, obviously. Yeah. McGook, Honeyman, Gooch, Madger, Sinclair. So you go in. How how you line Madger behind so Sinclair? Sinclair would be like out wide left. A Madger push. A Madger through the middle. So it's 4 2 2 1. But it's fluid, isn't that it? That wouldn't be my team. I, I think Maguire has to start. Sinclair on the bench. Although, I, what I've said earlier about Madger, I do think I would rather start him in this game over Sinclair because he's played a lot more football with the other players in pre season. I just think, in term, if we don't get someone else through the. I think we will get a striker, but if we're talking about. Um, only in signing tomorrow and maybe not getting a striker in before the Charlton game, I would say Madger up front. Um, and Maguire has to start. He's been, for me, the, the, the best attacking player throughout pre-season by a country mile. He's just so influential, good on the ball, very unselfish, gets into good areas um, and playing off the left. He, just, he, he looks good. He looks comfortable in that role. Um, Sinclair, I've not seen enough of. I don't think he's played a lot of football in preseason. So, the and with the reason for my selection was that I think he might be injured. I know that. He uh, was no, no. Jack, Jack Ross came out of the game, didn't he, and said that he's been. He should be all right. He's, he's yeah. Doing. He said he would. He was expecting him back in training early this week. So, uh, I, yeah, Maguire, Maguire one side, Gucci on the right. Again, one of the best players in preseason and looks so comfortable in that system. Um, hopefully, praying. McGeoch's fit because if not we could be talking about Barley Mumba starting which I've got no problem with to be honest he's looked really good in pre-season but he is only 16 um, didn't but I mean I know we didn't really touch on it much in the early on the chat but he was he didn't look out of place against Paddy McNair and uh, Adam Clayton two very good players in the championship he didn't look out of place on the same pitch as them so um it's going to be I think it, it, it's difficult to make a prediction at this stage because we still need new players through the door and uh, depending on how injuries progress over the week and how prepared they are to play, we'll alter the, the team. We could, we could even be talking about Ethan Robson and uh, and Mumba starting if things things don't go as planned with regards to the injuries. It's interesting. You know? um, he, he, I'm told, well, I, I heard Charlie Methven say in the press room on Friday night that Jack Ross really likes Ethan Robson. So um, don't rule out the possibility of him starting. I know he's, he's, he's struggled a little bit with injury. Just to chuck one in, I, I agree basically pretty much. I think probably Matthews will play because even if he's fit, I don't think James will, will be deemed to have played enough football. Mm-hmm. So I think probably Matthews will play. Um, McGeek, obviously, if he's fit. The, the the one I wonder about for first game of the season is if if fit, if still at the club, I wonder if he might be tempted to play Catamol, um alongside McGeek in that deep role just as a, a kind of a safety blanket sort of thing and because of experience I agree I think Maguire will play if he's fit as well yeah. and Gooch will play and then Honeyman would probably be a bit further forward but um, I, I just I just wonder I just wonder if he, he might be tempted because it will be kind of an occasion you know it, it's it's the sort of you know debut for a lot of people for the manager that sort of thing and I, I wonder if there might be a temptation to put Catamol in there as unpopular as it might be with. well that actually I probably would if he's fit Um also looking at Charlton's midfield as well. I think they've got Darren Prattley now, who's a big old Good unit. Signing. Good sign for this level, but he gets stuck in as well, and you're yeah. going to need some battle in the middle. I mean, if Catamol can give us a good hour, then I'll be happy. Um, 
but it, I, you made a good point there actually about the, the 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 fact there's a lot of debuts being made might make sense just to have some of the more seasoned campaigners in there for that first game. Um, I do think Catamore will start if he's fit, like because he's he's been featured quite heavily in preseason. Him him and McGeoch if they're fit in the middle. How far is McGee doing? Um, I'd be surprised if he was in, under consideration to start. He's just not played enough football, and he's had yeah. he's had niggling injuries throughout. Um, he's a look great guy to have to sit on the bench, isn't he? Even if he can give you fifteen minutes on Saturday, I'd have him on the bench. Yeah, I would. If he was if he's fit, I would try and get him. He hasn't ball. had any preseason, has he? Yeah, hasn't he been injured throughout preseason? Pretty much. He's had not. I think he's just had little little injuries the whole way. Well, apparently, because obviously they they all go with with a preseason program before the return to training. He got injured doing that. And he hasn't. Yeah, I think he's only been in light training in the gym and stuff. So it might be a bit much to expect him to play um, any part actually on Saturday. I don't think they'll risk him. No, how important he could be if he's if he's if he's staying, which we, we, we believe is the case, unless someone comes in for him, he could be an important player this season. It wouldn't be making much sense to risk him in the first game. Maybe give him half an hour in the Sheffield Wednesday game in I the was cup. About to say it might be yeah. the Sheffield Wednesday game, which is two weeks on Thursday, isn't it? It's, yeah, I think it's the week after. Is it, no, is it not the? Is it it's not before the Scudthorpe yeah. game, isn't it? Right. So we've got. So yeah, they, I think unusually they've got they've got a clear week after the yeah, first game. Normally you don't. Yeah, yeah. this year it's been put back a week. I don't know why. Hmm. I think because the transfer deadlines on. Oh, is that what it is? Because the transfer then. deadlines midweek. Mm. I think that transfer deadlines make, that would make sense mm-hmm. certainly. Yeah. So, uh, okay, let's let's do some result predictions then. Final final thing for the day. So, what do you think, Simon? Um. I'll go with 1-0 Sunderland Get for, for the Charlton game. Uh, I think that would be the perfect result because whilst everyone would like them to go and whop them 6 or 7-1, I think uh, a team in transition, a team that's building uh, to get a clean sheet and win the game would be ideal. Do you know what's funny? Now you've just said that 6 or 7-1. You were talking about opening days before and I remember Norwich got hammered 7-1 off Colchester and won the league that year. And you took that? Paul Lambert. Yeah, took Paul Lambert. Yeah, I remember that. So, you know, opening day maybe doesn't mean as much. I totally forgot about that game. That was bonkers, <laughs> wasn't it? 7-1. Gav, what do you think? 7-1, Charlton? We're going to win the league after that. 2-1 <laughs> to Sunderland. I think it's absolutely nailed on that Lyle Taylor score yeah. because that always yeah. happens to us. <laughs> so I think 2-1 Sunderland, I think we will go 2-0 up though. I think that maybe a late scare, Taylor header from a corner and we're like, you know. <laughs> panicking a bit. Panicking yeah, a bit for the time. last five minutes. Big save by McLaughlin injury time. The whole place is on its feet by the end. Good start of the season. That's what I'm predicting. Adam, you're normally optimistic like me, so you're nailed on to call a Sunderland win, surely. I will give a Sunderland win, but I think it'll be edgy, tense, 1-0, late goal. Late goal. Fair. I'll, I'll take, take that. that like. Mm-hmm. I, I would take any win, to be honest. I, I just, think the I'm, nerves will take it, but I'd love to say that. I'm just so excited now after doing this podcast. Like, I can't believe we've done it on a Sunday and I've got to wait a week. <laughs> like I was raring to go. Like, no, I just, just want it to be tomorrow. I just want kick off to come. It's mm-hmm. crazy. I haven't even signed the striker that we want as well. I'm still just <coughs> pumped and excited for it. Uh, as for Root Report going forward for the coming season, we'll be doing match reports, live tweeting. Uh, we'll probably be able to do every away game now that uh, the 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 online. Yeah, we managed pass. it last season. It'll be even easier this year. Yeah, so we'll be yeah. in wherever we are, South Korea or something, watching the games <laughs> with the, with the yeah. VPN on, hol- so. on holiday in there. Yeah, in Dublin. Yeah, every time something away, we're going to go to like. Some ridiculous far from place just <laughs> to watch juke. it. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we'll be doing tweets and all that together. Rogue Report TV will be back on Tuesday this week. That'll be exciting. Um, Very good. Yeah, I've just bought my Sabuto sets. Nice. So I'm going to do uh, stepping it up this year. Though, yeah, right? yeah. I'm going to do. 
I think I think it's a great idea. But I'm gonna do like <laughs> the the goals reenacted with Subutio. So do you know like the things you see with Lego where you see them moving? Yeah. I'm gonna do that with the Subutio players. I wonder how successful that's going to be. But yeah, I think I'm going to need a lot of help from Stephen, who's the photographer. To, it might to do be one, one of those ideas that's like kind of better in your head than no, in reality. I'm not having that. I'd, Try I'd it out, it. and if it bombs, it bombs. Yeah, it'll be fine. I'm I will. I will. I don't know if you were going to mention it, but I will just add that Thursday we'll have the extra shows back, which we oh. did for the majority of last season. We're going yeah, to have Graham. um, Graham's going to be talking to an opposition fan every Thursday. That'll be out every Thursday morning. There'll be a little bit more structure at the release of these shows too. Barring when Stuart Donald's on because he can come on whenever he wants as far as we're concerned. <laughs> say, sure. um, the pods will be dropping Monday morning, six, 6 o'clock every Monday morning and Thursday, 6 o'clock every Thursday morning. Yeah. So but- a bit more structure because we're sick of people hassling us, asking when it's going to be out on Twitter basically. It's only for, look, we, we announced we're doing a podcast. I'll have tweets now. We'll have tweets. What time? Bit, what what time? time's it out? What time's it out? What time's it out? That's going to be 6 o'clock every Monday now. So at least you know. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. last time we had Stuart Donald on. He literally it was like eleven o'clock on a Wednesday, and he was like, "Can you do one o'clock?" And he's Ricky Gervais' voice, and I was like, "I suppose, <laughs> I suppose, give us like two hours notice to to get down." But yeah, so he doesn't really give him much notice, does he? We don't mind though. No, he gives away a lot of nuggets of information, so I'm not <laughs> going to complain. Uh, so apart from that, I think I think that's everything. Follow on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, Simon, it's been a pleasure. I'm sh- well, probably try and get you back on once a month or so. Look, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Uh, thanks, lads. It's been, it's been nice again. I've really enjoyed coming along. Uh, I hope you guys have a really good season. And look, I, I just hope the long-suffering fans of Sunderland finally get to have a good year for once. Fingers crossed. Anyone I'm, else got I'll, I'll second that. I really, I'm, I'm sick of... <laughs> writing about a crap team that loses all the time would be nice wouldn't it well since you've been editor at Rogue Report we've never been my editor. fault I think ultimately it does fall on you does you're yeah. the co- you're the constant yeah so so I've got that on you and then obviously Adam will be Charlton and you'll be on every week because you obviously good, good luck charm hopefully you don't have to say anything just <laughs> just sit in the, in the room <laughs> <laughs> alright that's that we'll uh, be back extra podcast Thursday said. Uh, then we'll Six be recording o'clock. Sunday yeah. next week yeah. No, because someone's playing on a Sunday next week, aren't they? Christ, I don't know. No. No, that's right. the week after. Okay, next week we'll be back on a Sunday. We'll be back on Monday, six o'clock. All right. So knock that out a bit there at the end. You, you did. Sean I'll, I will I will just reaffirm what I said earlier. Every Monday, <laughs> six o'clock, every six o'clock. Sunday play on a Sunday. Yeah, and then everything gets paused up. Everything will be good. That's the plan anyways. Yeah. Okay. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.